1: WHUP LP Hillsborough, the center of the known world. This is the Cageside Concussion Cast, where we are your pal, Richard Face. I am Jeff Shaw, and you may have guessed from that literary allusion that this is the special blood sport centric edition of the Cageside Concussion Cast. That's right, we're talking about the classic martial arts film. We have two great interviews for you one where Trevor Hayes and I talk with Melvin Pena, an author and former professor at Northwestern, who taught classes focused on blood sport at an elite university. We also interview Jenny Wu, an actor who has worked with Jackie Chan on martial arts films. She stars in Lady Blood Fight, a blood sport reboot featuring all women fighters. She'll tell us about working with Jackie Chan, about training martial arts six hours a day to prepare for the movie, and what happened when a Muay Thai champion hit her for real. One quick note, we wanted to save space for our interviews with Melvin and Jenny, so we cut the news segment this time. But don't worry, we're going to do a special bonus podcast this week recapping local results from the Jiu-Jitsu Pans, one of the biggest tournaments of the year, and revealing results from our Movie Bracket Contest. So check out that podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Be sure to let us know what you think of the show on Facebook at Cageside Radio or on Twitter at Cageside Whoop. If you promise to do that, we promise to get right to the interviews. In fact, here they are. So, folks, we're sitting here with my good friend Melvin Pena, and Melvin is an author and a former academic who, during his career as a college professor, taught a film that's near and dear to my heart and the hearts of most concussion cast listeners, Bloodsport, the Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle starring the muscles from Brussels alongside Bolo Young. Now, Trevor, when we started doing the March Martial Arts Movie Madness competition, a consistent theme among people we talked to was that Bloodsport is absolutely awesome. I assume you concur, and if you do, maybe you can explain what makes Bloodsport special to you.
2: Well, as a child, I used the Dim Mach in an actual self-defense scenario, and I got beat up really bad for it, which actually kind of got me into training more martial arts seriously. So, thank you, Jean-Claude Van Dam.
1: So, your Dim Mach didn't actually kill your opponent? No. Almost got me killed. So, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Kids, don't try this at home.
2: Don't do this at home. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Melvin, how did you get started teaching
0: blood sport? Well, that's uh, sort of a long story and goes back also to my own childhood. Uh, My brother and I grew up uh, watching Bloodsport obsessively. There was something uh, special to me about Bloodsport that uh, over the next, say, it came out when I was 11. So I watched it probably a hundred times between then uh, and the first time I actually taught it. And so the way I came to it academically or scholastically was through my interest in 18th century British literature, which It's one of the first questions I always get: is what the hell does uh, Bloodsport have to do with 18th century British literature? And the answer is, it has everything to do uh, with everything. It's it's a film, uh, as as uh, as Dryden once said of Chaucer, "Here is God's plenty." There's nothing you cannot find in Bloodsport that is not relevant to whatever it is you're doing or thinking about uh, or whatever your interests are. As well you should, as well you should be. Uh, So uh, my my way into it was that I at Northwestern taught a series of uh, composition courses, uh, uh, entry level. And so uh, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do with, uh, with, the, with the college students at that point was instead of offering them sort of a dry course packet or E.B. White's uh, 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 oh, uh, of Elements style. of Style or, or any such uh, uh, writing textbook, at Northwestern we were on the quarter system. And there's really – you can't teach people how to write in nine weeks. You can't teach anybody anything in nine weeks. So what I wanted to do was at least help expand their minds, uh, take them off guard. And the best way for me to do that was to have 15 copies of Bloodsport in a university bookstore uh, sandwiched next to what was my other core text was uh, uh, an anthology of British travel narratives from the 18th century. So that was my approach. That was was my, uh, my entry point into teaching Bloodsport. So what does bloodsport have in common with British travel narratives from the 18th century? Is
1: this about the hero's journey? Is this about some kind of transformation? Like from a scholastic perspective, what do those two things have in common?
0: Well, my area of specialization, my focus, my my dissertation was to be on cosmopolitanism uh, and specifically uh, the way that cosmopolitanism in the 18th century intersects with uh, the sentimental genre. So in other words, it's ways of looking at how communities are formed through affect, through feeling, through friendship, uh, how families are created in that way as opposed to um, standard 18th century uh, categories like national characteristics or uh, growing interest in, in nationalism or, or faction, party, you know, the things that, that bind people together uh, uh, artificially. So I'm looking for a more natural, more organic way that people relate uh, across borders, across uh, disciplines, across fields. So the thing that. So, for example, an underground fight to the death. Exactly. And this was uh, watching Bloodsport again prior to uh, starting to teach these cop classes was one of the very first things I noticed. What here was here is a uh, a film that at its core is about how all kinds of boundaries, borders, uh, uh demarcations of of all kinds are simply artificial constructs which only serve to divide us rather than uh, looking at the things that unite us. And in those early scenes where uh, Van Damme's character is, is a child and meets the Tanaka family, one of the things that really jumped out at me watching it, you know, for, you know, time 100 plus uh, was how these two families, the Dukes family and the Tanaka family, both were first generation immigrant families. The Dukes family explicitly states that they came from France to, uh, to grow grapes. The Tanaka family, uh, Senzo Tanaka, came over from Japan after World War II when his family had been killed uh, in in Hiroshima. And so they're both coming to America, uh, I, I believe, it's not explicitly stated, but they meet in San Francisco, which has its own cosmopolitan associations and cosmopolitan history. And it's at that point that these two families sort of become one family through martial science. So uh, that was my, ent- that was my, my my very basic entry point into Thinking about blood sport and how it intersects with uh, 18th century discourse.
2: Mind blown. <laughs> that was amazing. Gonna... That was awesome. That was the yeah. best breakdown of blood sport I have ever heard. Like, <laughs> I'm going to sit Indian style and just hang out and listen. Man.
1: Well, per- perhaps an entry point. And I want to talk to you about how the students responded to this as well as your teaching method. But first, I think a good way to – a good jumping off point would be to ask first Trevor and then you what your favorite, what the defining part of blood sport is for me. I certainly have an answer as well, but I want to hear what you guys say.
2: I have to say where it's uh, how he he decides to go ahead and take uh, the place of the uh, younger Tanaka. And he just – he's like, I have to do this, you know. Um, I'm a big believer in, in the phrase nutting up. And that in this phrase, this man definitely nuts up. His back is against the wall. He's in a foreign land and he has everything against him. Like they're trying to kick him out of the military. He's being pursued. And then he still goes and he just has everything against him and goes and wins. It's like that the perfect come behind, but it really it comes down to him becoming a man and nutting up. Where like, you know, it doesn't like yeah, it has like the, the training montages, but you know he becomes a man when he's like I'm going to go do this. And I love that. I love that. It's like when you coach someone from, like, they have that realization of, like, I'm training, I'm training. Hey, coach, I want to fight. You're a man now. You're a
0: woman now. Congratulations. Like, that's how it is to me
2: in my aspect.
0: Well, another or way to well, no, no, no. It's, it's it has nothing to do with uh, with intelligence. It's just a matter of perspective because what you're talking about is is exactly or it intersects in some ways with with what I'm thinking about because again, it's it's the way that 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 families are 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 made and chosen, and uh, it's not that he's going to get kicked out of the army. The army, the, the 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 officials say that they've invested a lot of money in him to train him and that they want him safe, and this is the 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 fear that they have. As, a, as an institution, is that that training, uh, that the money, the investment will go to waste if he gets injured or killed in this, uh, in in the Kumite. But going back to what you're saying about uh, uh, his sort of adoption, as it were, into the Tanaka family when the uh, when Shingo, his son, dies, uh, uh, Van Dam, and, and this is again something that appealed to me as uh, as a budding teacher at that point was that. Uh, after the funeral van damme's character Dukes, turns to uh, Senzo tanaka and tanaka's like no more training we're done now and uh, there's a sense in which uh, well van damme's character's response is but uh, but shidoshi you have so much to teach uh you know that there's that there's a lineage there that there's a there's a, a history and the the one of the critical uh, points to think about in bloodsport in terms of uh, duty loyalty honor these kinds of things is where is the Where is that feeling focused most strongly? And is it to his career or to his profession? No, I mean the reason the uh, one of the, the the central point of Duke's character in the film is he's going to the Kumite to fight as a Tanaka for the honor of Sanzo Tanaka as his to honor his Shidoshi uh, uh, to honor that tradition uh which which to him means everything he he I mean he literally says it to honor yushidoshi means everything to me um but for me the the central point of the film uh or one of the central points of the film and and there are many because it depending on how you read it how you look at it and this was one of my inroads to teaching it was and one of the reasons I let off every course I taught with it was again to take students off you know to take students off their off their their sure footing to say you know, yes, we're at, you know, a, a, a major research university, you're at one of the best universities in the world, what I want to be able to show you is that anything, like you hear over and over again, you know, uh, what's your favorite book, I've read it a thousand times, I find something new in it every time, you know, it, it. but it's not just novels, it's not just poetry, that anything that can be considered a text, including Bloodsport, you know, which seems absurd or comic to some people, especially when I first bring it up, um, that That here, too, you can find things of value, you can find things of worth, you can find things that uh, resonate with you powerfully. And coming at it from my perspective of of thinking about uh, borders and boundaries, the thing that is one of the things that's most compelling to me is this idea of uh, the Kumite as – or where it takes place. And it's one of the things that doing research on it, the more I thought about it, the more interesting it was to me. And I've got a quote here from – Uh, Mr. Lin, who's their guide when they get to Hong Kong, starts leading uh, Jackson and Dukes around and says, now we're coming to the walled city because the Kumite takes place within the confines of Kowloon walled city, which, if you don't know, is uh, was a place that in the treaty between the British and the Chinese over over uh, over Hong Kong, that there was this area, Kowloon walled city, which was not beholden to British governance. It was completely lawless. It was run by triads who the, uh, Mr. Lin says are, are sort of like the mafia. But uh, his quote is, the walled city, not a place for outsiders. You're in Hong Kong, but you're about to cross an invisible border into mainland China. No joke, man. It's a rundown piece of no man's land in the middle of a tourist paradise. And so uh, we're going from uh uh places that uh, that exist that have concrete meanings that have laws and jurisdiction and and uh, uh all these kinds of uh, red tape bureaucracy which you see not only in Helmer and Rollins' character from the army who are pursuing Van Dam but the uh, I, I believe his name is Mr. Chen who's the um, the the Chinese official that they consult with um where you're going from places that exist that have strictly defined boundaries further and further into uh, this setting of the Kumite, into the arena, which is, for all intents and purposes, a place that has no, I mean, the laws there are very simple. uh, And it's a place that only in this kind of place can this tournament exist. Only in this kind of place where there are, where the rules are extremely simple. uh, uh, And we can talk more about that in a minute, but... This is a place where everyone is welcome. You know, you, uh, the only things that that matter are meritocracy and ability. You know, uh, they invite fighters from all over the world. It doesn't matter what your style is. It doesn't matter who trained you. Uh, as Mister Lin says, what's the what's the difference? of Bruce Springsteen It's a shitoshi, you know, it, it it doesn't matter. Like if you have the ability, if you have the the stamina, the endurance, the will, uh, the passion, the drive that you can be considered one of the greatest fighters in the world. And it, it's only in this place where all of these things can happen.
1: I want to ask you some questions about story structure too, because what you say is really interesting in that, that there's, I've always thought the divide, that the divide between high culture and low culture was largely artificial. Like I'm a huge professional wrestling fan, right? And it's considered like schlock culture. People made fun of me growing up for, for loving it. Um, and, uh, and who's laughing now, but I got, I got a, World famous podcast. But, 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 the, the, but professional wrestling was based in a large measure, or at least the narrative structure heralds back to the medieval morality play, where you have these characters that are iconic and, and essentially archetypes with names like Christian, mm-hmm. with names like Prudence. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that tells tales of morality and sort of writes into being codes for living your life. And so when I hear you juxtapose like 18th century British texts with blood sport, this is sort of the same sort of story structure I hear of you, that there are classic tropes that can be read in many different ways.
2: Well, you talk about like the uh, the social breakdowns to even have the characters like Jackson and Frank Du. Mm-hmm. Jackson, the biggest redneck hillbilly biker bar clubbing SOB ain't your pal. Mm-hmm. You know what? To Frank Du, a very clean cut, well-groomed Frenchman. And what I love is that it, that brings in the comparison of even today's modern – martial arts and that's even like one thing i was exposed to a lot as a kid you know low income you know kind of like i'd show up just looking like a mangy dog just had a different attitude and i'd still work out with other kids clean cut but we're all, we're all equal mm-hmm. and that's one of the cool things that like when you can really look down into it that's one of the things about blood sport you have jackson and Dud. these two guys are totally opposite getting along not really sla- jackson slamming beers knocking people out they got that in common and they become really close friends off of that just breaking down those concepts like no, of mice and men, but cooler. <laughs> oh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Mr. Teacher.
1: <laughs> so my my iconic blood sport moment is actually the coin scene where it establishes, for those who haven't seen the movie, as if any of those people are listening to this podcast, you know, uh, uh, bad dudes are going to take away this lady. Frank Dukes, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, says, OK, if I can... I'm going to put a coin in your palm, and if I can grab it before you can close your hand, the then I, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, they're definitely coded as Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern, I think yeah. that's what it was, yeah, the gold tooth, yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: And so Frank Duke says, okay, if I can grab this coin out of your hand before you can close it, then uh, I, the woman is mine, which of course he means to save her, her virtue, which of course has many other sort of problem- problematized narratives. But this establishes, and of course he's able to do it, right, and and thereby, you know, save the damsel in distress. And this establishes Dukes not only as a figure of honor in a different way from familial honor, but also establishes him as a clever sort of trickster, right? Like it's not just force. It's I can do this skillfully and get this out from under you. Would, would you agree with that?
0: A- absolutely. It, uh, it's one of the, the, the great appeals of, of Bloodsport, again, as a film. And uh, whether you were reading it as a fighting competition or – as as a hero's journey or whatever your 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 way into the text is the the point is that uh no matter what your inroad into the text is uh, whether it's as uh, looking at it as the hero's journey or simply as a fighting tournament or whatever it happens to be uh, uh that scene in particular is is one of a number of scenes that play into this idea that the the victor that the champion the true champion and again whether it's of the film uh, uh, as a leading ca- as as a leading character or as a as a a competitor in a martial arts tournament that it's the person who has the elasticity of mind and adaptability to circumstances that is going to succeed when you've got characters like Ray Jackson who are just it's all brute force all the time or or Chong Lee or um uh the the Muay Thai guy Paco I believe is his name uh they they're they're just all you know it's all it, it's very straightforward whereas Van Damme uh, again in the beginning of the film is talking to Senzo Tanaka and he says you taught me using any technique that works to to you not limit myself to one style and to keep an open mind so he's looking at circumstances as they unfold and adapting to the circumstances as as they call for it and and that very scene i mean as you as you said there are one of the and it's not to say there aren't problems with blood sport I mean there are these, that, that scene especially sort of plays in a to middle eastern stereotypes uh to uh ideas of toxic masculinity of of gender hierarchies of women as as objects or as prizes uh but at the same time uh, again the way that he saves her quote unquote in that particular scene is to play to play to play a game to meet Hossein on his own level uh, uh in order to achieve uh, in order to achieve his goal how many years or how many
1: terms did you teach blood sport and how did the students respond to it were they surprised were they were they engaged
0: was there a, a varied reaction i think i taught it a total of four times and uh, the reception to it as a as, as something that they found again on a university bookstore uh was always entertaining but what was most moving to me was that it, it always achieved its desired effect, which was, again, to catch students off their off their back foot, uh, uh, to bring them to see everything, uh, every cultural production as something of, of potential value, of potential worth, that uh, uh, there's nothing that is not fit subject to study if you're willing to look at it and engage with it on its own terms. Um, one of the most uh, moving and affecting things to me was that in Later quarters, say after the term had ended, I would run into a student on the quad or whatever. Uh, one particular time, a young lady came up to me and said, yeah, over Christmas break, I watched Bloodsport with my mom. And we sat there and talked about all of these things that that we talked about in class and and a bunch of others that, that hadn't come up. And so uh, for me, uh, Bloodsport is – it's not just a martial arts film, even though it is an excellent martial arts film. It's not just uh, – a dry text to look at for, for, for scholarly study, although it can be that as well. You know, for me, it's uh, one of those things uh, uh, it's, it's for a lifetime of learning, you know, again, here is, it it has everything you could possibly need. And every time you come back to it, you find something new.
2: It's the Bible to eighties martial arts movies that, (laughs) that roadhouse is the bouncing. (laughs) No, this is, amazing to listen to like this is so awesome i'm so mad that i never got to meet you in college my brief term because that would have been the greatest class ever the way that you're breaking this down it just makes so much sense and i'm like i've looked this movie so long as like the the guy comes over is back into the wall like yeah you have like the friendships i'm like it's own, but now you're just making it so much cooler like i'm gonna have to go watch it again i watched it again this week to make sure it's kind of up to date but now i have to really go back and re 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 Watch it break it down.
1: <laughs> when we start Concussion Cast Online University, uh, Trevor will teach Sexiness, Melvin will teach Bloodsport, and I will teach Photoshop. There we go. <laughs> well, uh,
0: again, just to just to extend that a little bit, uh, one of the points again of teaching Bloodsport first, and in these composition classes, I was teaching, uh, uh, kick it off with Bloodsport, and then the rest of the syllabus was 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 generally open ended. But I would generally pair something from this 18th century travel anthology uh, with on any given day, it might be an episode of the original Star Trek or uh, a Twilight Zone episode, just to show how you know these things uh, speak to each other across the ages. And again, that there's not there's not a mutually exclusive worth simply in dusty old texts. That again, you can put things that are seemingly disparate, seemingly have nothing in common together and, and have a, a, a fruitful and productive conversation about that. I really want to ask a question right now.
2: Um, so me, like, I don't mind reading. I, I, I love reading as a kid. Um, but then I became an athlete instead of like a math weed. And mm-hmm. so then my IQ dropped by 70 points, mm-hmm. uh, for someone like me, um, who I, I haven't read too much, uh, uh, literature lately. Like, well, really since college. Um, what might be a good book for someone like me, you know, like the, the, the constant martial arts practitioner, uh, I used to compete. Like I'm coaching. What might be a good a good book to pick up that could kind of help relate to um, a different, you know, not like the Five Rings by you know uh, Musashi. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Not like like a traditional English literature. Because so many guys in our culture get picked up on like the Japanese way, the samurai. But what you're talking about hits much more home about like the travel and the journey, which is much more of like the traveling jujitsu guy, the traveling Muay Thai guy, the traveling fight. What might
0: be something good to pick up? one one idea that came to mind um and it's sort of it, it's nothing like blood sport except no, that's uh, well yeah, no no yeah. just uh but in in terms of the uh, looking at blood sport as a text that traces a westerner's journey into the uh into the far east uh uh and 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 showing how uh west and east interact in the east uh there's a no no there's a there's a marvelous uh, novel by a 20th century author named Shusako Endo mm-hmm. called Silence which is uh, it traces that from a different perspective a different historical perspective it it looks at um Catholic missionaries going to Japan I believe in the I want to say the 16th or 17th century because I know Japan was 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 it was completely cut off from uh, uh, contact with the western world until until, I think, until the 18th century. Uh, yep. So, uh, I mean, that is a wonderful novel. It deals with, uh, again, it's a very different look at a Westerner's journey into the East, but my, my some very, very similar themes. Yeah. I read uh, the book, uh, I think, it was, was it Whirlwind or
2: maybe Shogun by James Clavell? I think that's the closest thing <laughs> I read to that. And I was like, this. Sounds like it might be a bit more in depth than what I read when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> the uh, the anthology I taught from uh, was wonderful. It was an anthology of British. I believe it's called an, an anthology of British travel writing from 1730 to 1830. One of the great things is that on the outside, uh, in the outside world, where uh, Van Damme's character Dukes is a, a member of the military, you know there are very strict and rigid codes whereas if you go into this I mean, even following the path the the twisting corridors of Kowloon Walled City into the arena you're walking through again from you're going from a tourist paradise into a no man's land and so you go through these uh, uh, dark and dank and, 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 and decaying and dilapidated corridors. And suddenly you open a door and it's like, uh, for those of you who, uh, who uh, are familiar with Dr. Who, you may be entering the TARDIS because you're entering this giant pristine arena or, uh, uh for those of uh, who are familiar with the, the Narnia books, it's like entering the wardrobe and into this strange and, and, and mythical world where anything is possible. Um, but again, here, the rules are very simple. You know, uh, if you fight outside the ring, you get disqualified. Uh, if you get thrown off the platform, you're out. If you submit, you're out. If you get knocked out, you're out. That's it. Like no one raises an eyebrow when Chong Li reaches reaches into his uh, belt for the for the blinding powder in the final fight. Everything is allowed here. It doesn't matter. Uh, all that matters are, are are following those very very simple rules. And uh, like there is there is that absolute uh, sense in which when you cross a border into a land where you're not familiar or you don't know the rules, you either learn to play by those rules or you get defeated. What in Bloodsport distinguishes it from other '80s martial arts films of its ilk? Like, why
1: Bloodsport to teach um, uh, over, say, Jim Kata? Or well, uh, re- re- are there vent-
2: obvious reasons for not teaching a class about Jim Yeah,
1: like just that. you just hate pommel horses. Yeah, Who doesn't? But uh, no, but Jim is also terrible. There's yeah. also that. But 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 seriously, like uh, uh, there are many sort of hero's journey-esque, fighting tournament-esque,
0: 80s-style martial arts films. What makes Bloodsport special? Uh, uh, again, for me, coming from my own uh, particular perspective, my history with the film, again, I had seen it uh, many, many times. And the things that you teach the best are often the ones that you're most familiar with. Uh, so there, there's just basic familiarity. Uh, there's also, uh, again, the, the cosmopolitan aspect, the fact that you're getting – uh fighters from all over the world descending in a single place to to see who is the best and and i I love i mean it's something it's one of the things that's most frequently talked about if you read anything that's been written about Bloodsport, say in the last especially the last three or four years because the film had its uh, 25th anniversary i believe in 2013 um and so there were a number of articles that came out about that and whether or not you believe that this is a true story about Frank Diggs I believe it's been disproven uh, many 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 times
2: on about was he actually did punch through bulletproof glass like that's been it if that
0: Who knows? Uh, to me, the, to me, the truth of the narrative, the truth behind the story behind the the movie is is less important than the impact that the film itself has. Again, looking at Bloodsport as a discrete text in its own right, as something that is there, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. We, we have the film. We have a film that people come back to again and again. It used to be on uh, AMC every weekend or, <laughs> or, or or what have you uh, or, or TCM. I believe it's even been shown on uh, once in a while but again it, it, it its appeal is uh, for me more more intense than say a rocky which again it is again it's a hero's journey it's about one man's s- struggle to overcome you know uh, great odds uh, uh, to be to be the champion but again the Bloodsport, blood for me is a much more inclusive much more welcoming sort of film i mean it, it, for me the core of the film isn't the fight scenes, which uh, you know are 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 what I enjoyed when I was a child. Like uh, now that I'm a, a man, I put away childish things. No, I don't, because uh-huh. I still love blood bloodsport. Uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. What's both here and there is that again, I, I, as I as I grown as I grew older, as I became a, a, a teacher at university, one of the things that appealed to me most about the film was again this focus on. Uh, the way that these communities of feeling are formed that, you know, you go long stretch of the movie through the Kumite, through the tournament, but at the end it comes back to Van Damme having won the tournament to honor his Shidoshi. Like again, he's, he's reaffirming that the growing up as a, 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 not a ward specifically, but as a sort of training partner for Tanaka's son, that, that, that bond is, is for him the most important thing in the film Ray Jackson gets left behind. Helmer and Rollins are going back to the States. The uh, reporter, Janice, stays there at the airport. You know, everything disperses at the end. What remains true is that is that foundational bond that Van Damme's character Frank Dukes had with the Tanaka family. That there's th- th- this bond is so powerful that, again, that for me is the most appealing thing. That we can – you know, they say you, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Of course you can choose your family. And those – Chosen affective bonds, those, those those communities of feeling that you create with friends that become like family bonds are, are really some of the most powerful ones that any of us can experience. And for me, to have that as a takeaway from a 1980s martial arts film, uh, it's phenomenal.
2: So I'd say so. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. When do you get, like, a Melvin's movie breakdown? Like, like, some Melvin movie breakdowns of, like, other martial
1: arts movies. <laughs> we should have Melvin watch the whole Final Four, and then just have, like, a fight companion, you know, yes. as Melvin explains the hero's journey as applies to Rocky. Yes. And and I'd be interested in Melvin's take on Drunken Master,
0: too, as well. I haven't spoken on, on this particular tip, but... Uh, this was these were composition classes, so it was about it was about writing and to to look at it from that perspective alone. Again, there's a, a line where the the Dukes and Tanaka family are are sitting down together uh, uh, in in one of their living rooms, and Senzo Tanaka says, "Martial science brings mind, body, and spirit together." And so this was something that I glommed onto as hey, here's a way that again, even in only nine weeks it's it's a very simple way, but again, simple rules are best especially you know when you have a limited time so i said mind body spirit these are the three parts of the writing process spirit and you know even comes up in the theme song like uh, i'm given strength by the breath of life you know it's the logos it's it's the word and in the beginning there was the word so the spirit is the drafting process it's what you get onto the page just when you're 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 sort of free writing or free thinking ideas uh the body part of it is is the the writing process is the editing process is is getting it into a shape that communicates ideas clearly and effectively, whereas uh, the mind part of it is the the highest part is the the final edits. Looking at what you've written from draft through uh, uh, preliminary edits, through making a structure, through to what it is you're going to hand in. Looking at the writing process as this three step uh, three step process, which again is just a. a uh, a, a carryover from from a line in the film, like uh, that, bring bringing mind, body, and spirit together for me encapsulates those three parts of the writing process.
1: They're making, they're rebooting Bloodsport, and one of our our guests, Jenny Wu, is going to star in an all an all women's remake of Bloodsport. What's your take on this, as someone that who
0: obviously has great love for the original film? Uh, I think that. If they don't use uh, Unstoppable off of the new Sia record as the training montage music, that they've missed a trick. That's what I have to say about it. There is no uh, one specific point to Bloodsport for me. There is no one specific lesson. uh, When I keep saying that the point for me is, the point for me is, I, I try hopefully... Uh, to keep in mind that this is from my perspective, and I don't, I don't mean to narrow the focus of Bloodsport to one specific thing, or to say that people are reading it wrong if they're just watching it for very a variety of fighting styles, or for the hero's journey, or for the awesome Stan Bush. Uh, uh, who also did the theme song from the, for the 1980s Transformer movies, uh, 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 soundtrack. Like, you know, fight to survive, glorious, uh, uh, steal the night, amazing. When that sequence is used as a Mentos commercial, uh, on YouTube, awesome. which hopefully you'll link it in the show notes. Cause I even, yeah. but there, there are at least two different versions of it. And I even used those, uh, in, in classes as, as teaching tools. Because there's one, the one that probably everyone's seen is the one where they use that chase scene where Helmer and Rollins are chasing him across the boats. Uh, uh, there in Hong Kong and him sort of waving from the other side when they fall into the fall into the river as, as one Mentos commercial. But there's another, which is from Chong Li's point of view, where Chong Li is the is the winner at the end uh, in the way that the commercial is edited. Again, that the story changes based on what your perspective is. If you're looking at it as Chong Li is the hero, it reads very differently from if you look at it as uh, uh, from Frank Dukes as, as the hero. Well, Melvin Pena, thank you so much.
1: Local author Melvin Pena taught blood sport at Northwestern University for four terms, and we're really happy to have him on the concussion cast today. Thanks again. My pleasure. Shifting gears from the ivy-covered halls of academia to the silver screen, next we're talking to Jenny Wu, a rising film actor who already has several movies to her credit, including Lady Bloodfight, which features a women's kumite with lots of martial arts action. She spoke with me from her home in Australia, which I really appreciate. I also want to thank Jenny for putting up with our transoceanic Skype connection, which was the only way we could interview her, and for putting up with the occasional barks and whines from the world's greatest 13-year-old basset hound, Russell. It was great fun speaking with Jenny, and I'm excited to see the film. Hopefully you will be too, after this interview. So what made you want to be a part of Lady Blood Fight? Was it the character? Was it the action, the script, or or something else?
3: Well, um, there's a few things. Definitely the fact that it's a girls' fight film, which is very exciting. And also, I've never done a fight film. like um, So this is my first martial arts movie. And, you know, you always look at those girls who fight. They're always so cool. They're so exciting. They're badass. But you fall in love with them because they're so cool, right, in all your Japanese and Asian movies and a lot of the Chinese movie and, you know, swords movies. So – you know, that's, that's part of the attraction. How could you say no? And the other part was, you know, when I read the script, Ling was a fantastic character. You know, I, I can't give too much away, but she came across with real attitude, you know, and she was a, uh, you know, s- born out of the streets. And there's this really coolness about her, which has also come with, you know, the fact that she was, she's a bit, she's quite a badass. And, she, you know, she gets trained up. So, so these parts, you know, these are the few things which kind of draw me in. Also, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to fight against some really good fighters, <laughs> so, like real fighters. That was, that was actually quite exciting too.
1: Now, I want to get into you a little bit about some of the training that you had, but first, more, more, a little more about the movie. I know you can't tell us everything, but what, what else can you tell us about the character that you play in the film?
3: Oh, so my character really goes through a transformation. So my character really goes through a transformation in terms of physically as well as um, her fighting style, um, as well as, of course, you know, character emotions mentally and psychologically and so on. So And you see that throughout the film, which is really one of the most exciting parts, is that you see her journey throughout the film as her her transformation. Mm -hmm. And the transformation is actually very, very exciting. So I had a – I was given a a real great – Look for the character, you know, and and Chris Nahon, the director, he's quite a, you know, he he's a great visionary in terms of he works beautifully with visions and images, so you know the the whole look of the film is fantastic. It looks amazing, you know. Each girl, each character, we all had such personality and such great, you know, different, jarring, outstanding, you know, looks composed together for this whole film, which makes it all the more exciting for the viewers. Um, and, of course, different fighting style for each girl. So, you know, and, and Chris created this wonderful look for me, almost comic book style, and then, and then this look alters throughout the journey I have, my character journey. Part of what's so great about action movies is, you know, these kind of crazy comic book style looks that, you know, these characters have. Plus, that kind of goes together with their attitude and their personality so I, I think, you know, I think the film achieved that quite brilliantly. So I can't wait to see it. So.
1: Yeah, that that excites me too, because the, the visuals are so important for any action movie, really, but especially a martial arts film. So ha- have you seen the original Bloodsport?
3: Yes, I have. It's fantastic. <laughs> quite a cult classic, and I really love it.
1: So Lady Bloodfight is a different film than Bloodsport. And so although you do play the villain you know, your character is not a Bolo Young character. Is that right? Yes.
3: Yeah, so it's, so you could easily say that, you know, if you're, if you're comparing the two, that sure, you know, I'm, I'm the bad character. So therefore I'm your, like your Bolo Young of Bloodsport, which is not exactly the case because, um, one, I don't look at anything like Bolo Young. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think Bolo Young is quite phenomenal. And I don't think anybody can really take his shoes. <laughs> mm. And, um, and and also uh and also the movie itself, Lady Bloodfight, it's actually a very different film to Bloodsport, other than the fact that, you know, it's got the kumite and, and, and so on. But really the storyline, the characters, are very different to the Bloodsport storyline and characters. Mm. So and and of course, you know, it's it's very exciting because it's all females fighting, which Bloodsport is um you know, it's literally all guys until I think maybe it's the second or the third blood spot that had one one female fighter in there, if I'm correct. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's very exciting because it gives viewers something something different. They think they know what's coming, but they don't. So it kind of shifts their expectations, which is very nice. So, you know, you have the similarities, but the differences will still surprise you when you're watching the film, which makes it great. mm mm-hmm. So um but you know, when I watched Bloodsport, it was it was a great film. you know I really loved it <laughs> because it's quite a cult classic. and you know I mean there there's so many things to draw inspiration from because you know there's something about that film Bloodsport that just kind of that that you know that is very watchable from beginning to end. And you know the fighting is great and you follow and the stories, you know it's it's simple, but it's it's very captivating. And you know so hopefully you know Lady Bloodfight will be just as good as Bloodsport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and it sounds like fans of Bloodsport would be able to enjoy Lady Bloodfight on its own merits uh, no matter what their experiences with with Bloodsport are. So had, so you you did some intense martial arts training as part of your of preparing for the role. Had you had martial arts training before you worked on this film?
3: <laughs> no, I haven't. So <laughs> so I come from a bit of a, a dance background but um but I haven't done anything like martial arts. So it was it was really quite intense. And you know, I, I had some wonderful trainers. Um we also uh, and some wonderful choreographers working with us and and a wonderful um stunt team who were training me up for these um routines including, you know, Fist fight, sword, Shaolin, you know, your Shaolin poses, your basic, you know, uh, eight steps routines and stances. So it was really starting from scratch, from the beginning. And I can understand why, you know, you, if you want to be a great martial artist, you really should start training at, say, you know, five, six years of age because you have that flexibility and discipline putting to you because it's very disciplined. And it was very hard and fun at the same time, <laughs> there were lots and lots of screams of pain. Because, you know, I mean, you know, when you're doing continuous training, there was a point where I couldn't really walk. <laughs> and, you know, it was like, you know, you're, you're shuffling about, um taking you know very tiny steps because your legs muscles are you know so sore they they're not you can't really able to function and then you know and then I'd be you know chatting with all my trainers and they say you know we went through exactly the same thing. We couldn't even walk up the stairs. We had to lift our legs you know physically when we were walking. I said, I know I'm going through that stage. He said great, great it means progress. So, you know, it was, it was great fun. And, you know, it's wonderful to be, to actually, to be able to, you know, do these fight routines and, you know, these choreographies and, and do this, you know, sword routines, which I was, you know, taught. Because, you know, it's, it's something you can use for the rest of your career. Any of the, you know, fight, fight movies you do or martial arts movies or action movies you do, you're going to have to be able to pull out those, those, you know, routines, which, you know, which was really valuable to learn. So I had a great time. Um, it wasn't easy, and I don't think, you know, I take up my hat to, you know, great martial artists, you know, like, you know, some of the great fighters, and, you know, like Jackie Chan and, you know, um, Jet Li. Such an experience that if it wasn't for doing the movie, I guess, you know, I, I wouldn't be training martial arts.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely want to talk with you about your experience working with Jackie Chan, but but first I want to ask about um, how long did they train you in martial arts before you did a martial arts fight scene? Like, was it several months or several weeks?
3: I think I um, so the moment I got cast, really. Um, so I think it was about um, I think I think about two months, six weeks to eight weeks, I think, roughly. Mm-hmm. If I get it Yeah. So about, about two months before we started shooting. So, so the minute I was cast, I started training the next day for six hours a day, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is quite intense because mm-hmm. I think we had, um, there was a choice between, you know, because you, you train with all the other girls and everything. And there was a choice between three hours session in the morning, and a three hour session in the afternoon. And you can kind of do either, either or. And most girls choose sort of three hours per day or uh, three hours or two sessions, two, three-hour sessions in the week because I was um, playing, you know, the lead bad girl with lots of fighting um, and everyone was quite stressed about, you know, we're not sure if Jenny can, you know, fight really good, so we're going to really have to, you know, we really want her to train hard. So I, I did the whole six hours every day, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally no breaks. So, you know, it's, it was quite intense.
1: You did some of your own stunts for this film. Um, What what kind of stunts did you do, and what was the most fun for you?
3: I did actually. I did a few of my own stunts. Um, You know, there was there's there's quite a lot of fight routines which I did do, Uh, and then and then there was quite a lot of fight routines uh, which I had to pick up on set to do Hmm. in the last minute because um, I don't know uh, because in Hong Kong. The way Hong, uh, the way they shoot movies in Hong Kong is a lot of things change on set. You know, so a lot of new choreography is added on set. So you kind of have you know fight choreographers coming up to you in the last minute, and go okay, you're gonna do this, this, and this, and this, and they quickly show you in a very small amount of time because you know because when you're shooting, you know, time is very precious. So they quickly show you and go. And, 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 you know, I'm watching very intently. go, okay, 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 this arm, this arm, this arm, this arm, and, you know, this leg, and this, you know, <laughs> so that there's, you know, so you know, you know, you know what you're doing. So when you're doing it at speed, there is, you know, there's no accident. So, you know, you have to pick up things very quickly in the last minute which I find, you know, is quite was um, quite a challenge for me because obviously I'm not from martial arts background, so it's kind of having to pick up things very quickly and, and absorb and react quite quickly. So that was, you know, and, and, you know, after going through that, you go, wow, you know, I feel like I can really fight. Yeah. You know, wow, you know, I can do this. This is fun. Um, you know, it's thrilling because when you're actually, you know, fighting your own adrenaline, it's really quite thrilling. So, um this is, this is a really interesting story, which I'll, I'll talk about. So I think in one of the rounds of the Kumite, I had to fight um, a Muay Thai champion. Um, she's this wonderful, wonderful woman. But she's also uh, a female Muay Thai champion. She's actually a Muay Thai champion. So she's a really, really good fighter. So when so our choreography was quite last minute so they kind of gave us our choreography you know uh, we were rehearsing our new choreography a couple of hours before we were shooting so you kind of get everything into your brain very quickly she picked it up a lot quicker than I did because she's of a fighter's background and so we were there doing it and then you know when we were starting shooting we were standing off and on the kumite and we were you know ready to fight and then you know, it's really different standing opposite a real fighter because you see it because you sense it in their body, in their eyes that it's, it's real. We're actually really fighting. You know, it's not, it's not an acting scene. We're not doing it, you know, we're not acting. We're actually for real. So when you stand opposite a fighter, the aura you get is that you really, you're really fighting for your life because they give you that aura. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was such an experience to, to, to you know, to experience for standing opposite a real fighter because the minute they're in the ring, they're ready to go, you know. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, she came at me and then there was this one punch which she did, which was really painful. And I was like, ow. And, you know, I ended up having a massive bruise afterwards at the end of it because it was quite painful. And, and then I, you know, and then we had a chat after. She said, you know, I was actually only – um I actually only hit you at 3% of my strength. And I thought, wow. <laughs> you know, wow. You know, imagine if you were in a real, you know, fighting ring because you know, she hit me at 3% of her strength and I had a massive bruise, you know, after post our fights. Um and it was quite painful. But then, you know, it was only really, you know, a tiny bit of her strength. So you can imagine if, you know, if you are, you know, in a real fighting ring and doing real fights, it's it's really quite full on.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I don't think people appreciate that until they actually get some of that physical contact. But um, you mentioned you have a dance background. And I'm wondering if, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your dance background and, and whether that helped you with choreography and such?
3: I think I think um, because I'm drama, so I I was training in drama school where you know you did you know you all sorts of dance and movement. So so I um, did a lot of physical theatre before I actually you know did this martial arts movie, and so I think um, yes, I think being you know having a dance background and doing physical theatre does definitely help with martial arts because you're 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 more able to flex into different different stances so you're more flexible and you're able to take on um those moves a lot easier than if you're completely of a non you know movement background which would be i think a lot harder Mm -hmm. but i don't that being said i don't think it's not doable i think it's still doable um you just have to train harder because the funny thing is the body is quite flexible you know even though you know i'm not really tuned to do a split at my age you know you kind of do this you could do, do a split at 5 or 6 years old type of thing you know because so, your body's able to stretch that way so it's it's but it you know but that being said i think the body is quite able to be pushed into you know it, it is quite flexible because i was amazed that you know i was you know almost able to do a split by the end of my training <laughs> That's. You know, i thought that was quite impressive <laughs>
1: So, speaking of folks that can do the splits, you worked as an assistant director and a translator on a Jackie Chan film, and I'm wondering, what was it like working with Jackie Chan, what you took away from that, and how your experience being behind the camera uh, was different than being in front of the camera?
3: You know, um, working with Jackie Chan was was a fantastic ride. It was a, such a great experience, because, you know, I'm seeing a legend at work here. You know, it's a lifetime opportunity, and... Um, and it's amazing to see Jackie's professionalism and, and see him do his own stunts. Um, and, you know, because, you know, he's 60. He's like one of the you know, oldest guys on sets, right? But he has the energy of a child. He's always ready to go and he's always the most excited, most energetic person on set. Even if we're, when we're doing, you know, two, two shoots back to back, almost like we do a, a day shoot, followed immediately by a night shoot, with hardly any breaks in between, and both of them are Jackie's main scene. So he's doing, you know, like, you know, 13 hours, followed by a few hours of breaks, you know, followed by another, you know, 13 hours or 10, you know, to 13 hours. And it's quite intense. And, you know, and you know a lot of the crew are tired, but Jackie's always energetic, ready to go, and joking on set. So, you know, it's such an inspiration to see someone who has, you know, you know, such a great amount of credits and work under their belt is a legend and a mega superstar and seeing his work ethic that you know he is you know so dedicated which is one of the reasons why he is such a legend because of his dedication to his work and you know to see that it's 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 great to you know kick my kick off my career working with you know Jackie Chan, to be, in, you know, to, to learn from him. Mm. And I think, you know, um, for many artists, the people you work with early on in your career are the people, who are, are the influences you carry on with you throughout your career. So I think, you know, having worked with Jackie such early on in my career is... Is I think it's quite valuable. I think it'll you know I think it's, it's I think it's it'll impact me for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> so both me and Trevor are actually big Jackie Chan fans, and I'm I'm wondering, do you have a favorite Jackie Chan film, or uh, too many to pick from?
3: Uh, there's too many to pick from. I mean, Rush Hour, Shanghai Moon, I mean, Drunken Master. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I think he's I think classic Jackie is his earliest stuff. But, you know, um, before I worked on Dragon Blade, I, I went and especially looked at Jackie's latest, uh, the latest project before Dragon Blade, which was uh, Chinese Zodiac. I don't know if you're familiar with Chinese Zodiac because I'm not sure if it was released in the West.
1: I'm not. I'm familiar with a lot of his older stuff, but I haven't seen Chinese Zodiac.
3: So I, I think, you know, I went and watched and, and it's funny because, you know, Jackie directed that movie, starred in it. he set designed it. I think he was the... You know, uh, uh, cinematographer, um, hold on, I might be wrong on that, but definitely the fight choreographer, fight, fight director, I think. So, um, so he, it was, you know, his movie where he did just about literally over, he saw, oversaw everything. And that was, you know, the movie prior he did to Dragon Blade. Um, also, I think the last, the last movie he, he said that he will do as a director, which I think it might cha- it may change in the future. So, um, so I went and watched that movie and it's kind of like, uh, redo it's kind of jackie back at his you know classic time so it's almost like jackie looking exactly like jackie back then and um and when you're watching it you go wow is that really made recently because i you know um because it's you know it's jackie being jackie it's jackie doing what he what he's good at the the comedy the comedy timing and also the fights um and also getting into trouble and so it's all your you know your favorite jackie moments um Kind of remade in this Chinese zodiac with a wonderful story and great, great choreography, actually. Um, really great choreography. I think, I think there's a scene where he actually is in a, um, you know, fighting with all the props and everything around him and, you know, including, you know, cameras and, um, flash, flash going off. So it's, it's a great film. And, you know, it's great to see, it's great to see Jackie, you know, in his, you know, in his classical element and, and to kind of, I had to, you know, just be familiar with what he was doing prior to Dragon Blade, and you know, he was really hands-on. So that was, you know, um, you know, I think, I think Jackie, he just, he just doesn't stop working. <laughs> like every year, he's booked up for films continuously. I think, you know, immediately when we finished Dragon Blade, he was onto shooting Skip Trace, mm-hmm. which I think will be released very soon, and now he's shooting Kung Fu Yoga. So it's like, you know, the guy's non-stop <laughs> and he's not, he's not young, you know, he's not young and he's doing most of his fights, you know, all his, you know, all his films are action films. He's, he's not young and he's working and he's at it every day.
1: Well, I'm a big yoga guy. And so if, if Jackie Chan is making a movie called Kung Fu Yoga, I'm going to have to see that. <laughs> so do you have a favorite martial arts movie? Uh, you know, obviously it'd be cheating to say Lady Blood Fight, but uh, did you, were you a martial arts movie fan before you made one?
3: you know i because i grew up in china um and i i moved here to Sydney um when i was eight so i grew up with martial arts movies in china um because the minute you turn on chinese TV all you see is martial arts movies you know fight films uh sword, sword films um uh, you know people you know people flying like a crouching tiger king dragon so you you kind of you grow you you grew up with that and you see it, um, not just, you don't see it just in the, in the bigger, you know, blockbuster movies that come out. You see it on the smaller television shows as well. Um, with, you know, no celebrities. There's a lot of fighting and, um, wu films. So I, I grew up with a lot of that. So I, you know, watch all that when I was young because that's what, you know, that's what you watch. And, So, I, I remember, I think there's one film which influenced me a lot, um, as a, as a kid, although I, I can't really remember the exact title of it because it's a Chinese movie and, um, I don't think it has a big A-list of stars in it, but it is, again, it's a, um, it's your period fight film, um, where, um, you know, it impacted me a lot because I was, I love that film. And I think it was about you know uh, ten ten little uh, children in a uh, in a temple. I think they're all young monks, and <gasps> they're escaping. And um, and then they each had a, a a map drawn on their back. So if you put the ten kids together, you would create an, an entire map. And that map is quite precious. And that map is destroyed, or so on. And then there are bad guys after the map. And then there's uh, another. <gasps> you Know a female, you know, a female warrior type fighting protecting the, the kids, and then there's another guy warrior fighting protecting the kids, and and you know, eventually there's a love story intertwined and everything, and it's fantastic. So, so you know, so in the, in the influence, I think a lot of these, you know, um, later you know, Hollywood martial arts movies like uh, like Crouching Tiger King and Dragon, which I loved when I saw in the cinemas, but um, I think the new ones are now, and when I saw on these versions, the cinemas, I loved, I thought of this just brilliant you know it's just so well done and it's so so this it's kind of it's hard to name one martial arts movie i think it's just cheating Mm -hmm, (laughs) because there there are so many great ones in china and a lot of them um not not all of them released out to the west which is unfortunate
1: Early on in your career, you've already done a wide variety of roles, but I'm wondering, uh, would you do another martial arts film in the future? Do you think was this something you had fun doing that you'd be enthusiastic about doing again? Yes,
3: absolutely. (laughs) I would love to do another martial arts movie. Um, When I was doing Lady Bloodfire, I thought, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna try. You know, you know, I'm so so fit. I'm gonna, I want to line up another, you know, action movie because you know it's so much fun. Because when you're actually doing your you know, it, it seems scary when you're doing your fight routines, but then when you actually do do it and you can do it, you know, and then you, cause you, you practice the routine and you're, um, and then you've done it, it's like, wow, you know, you want to do it again and again. So, so absolutely, I want to do another martial arts movie, another, you know, another, either it's a wuxia film or, you know, um, fist film, you know, um, or, um, just action movie because it's, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's hard. That being said, you know, any movie's hard. I think every movie set you're on has its own sort of challenges you have to get through. And and each movie, different challenges, you know, because each production's got different different challenges of its own that you have to overcome. And each role you do has its own challenges. I think it was a Judy Dench, damn Judy Dench, who said that, you know, she's never found any role easy to do. You know, every role she does, she's finding some sort of difficulty she has to overcome. I can't – so it's not easy doing martial arts, movie, but it is – it is so much fun, and, you know, you grow s- such a mileage after you've done it. So, I mean, so absolutely, I'm up for another martial arts movie any day.
1: A note to end on, um, if there's one thing that you could tell our audience about Lady Bloodfight that you think they should know, that would make them enthusiastic to see it, like, what, what, what would that one thing be?
3: Lady Bloodfight Fight does relive some of your old classic hong kong style martial arts movie i I think you know i I think audience are not going to be disappointed i think you know there's that kind of nostalgia that's the word there's a nostalgia
1: so that's the concussion cast this week my thanks to melvin pena jenny Wu, my man trevor hayes and you the listener for being our shidoshi we do the show to honor you
3: for trevor hayes i'm jeff Shaw, and we will see y'all next sunday